I'm excited about the season that you're in, that you're talking about Nehemiah, you're talking about like building, moving forward. And I really feel I want to share this word with you. If you've got a Bible, I'd love you to grab it. And we're going to look at John chapter 6. John chapter 6, and I think we'll start in verse 5. It's a story when Jesus fed um, the 5,000. And here it is in verse 5. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. And Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they had had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Wow, wow. I love this. I believe that God's plan for this church is that you move into a time of miracles. I believe that God's plan for this church is that you move into a time of wonderful miracles of God. Where we begin to see the extraordinary happen in God. But you know, I've got an interesting word to bring to you today because when we're looking at this story, we see Jesus doing an incredible miracle. But you know, we love that. We love the thought of Jesus doing that powerful thing. But this is the word of God to speak to you today. It's that there is a miracle before the miracle. There's a miracle before the miracle. You see, Jesus... He did an incredible, powerful thing. But there's a miracle that happens before that miracle. And for God to do extraordinary things in this place, a miracle needs to happen before the miracle. You see, that little lad, he had to get over himself. He had to get over his limiting thoughts. He had to get over Maybe some negative thinking that was in his mind. He had to get over that. And the first miracle that happened was in the boy's head. That, do you know what? I'm going to hand this over to Jesus. You see, I'm a Pentecostal. You guys are in a Pentecostal church. And we love it. We, 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 we get into that thing where the enemy's coming against us. And we speak the name of Jesus. And we come against the powerful forces of the enemy. But here's the deal, guys. Is that like the first obstacle you need to get over is yourself. The first obstacle you need to get over is yourself. 
We sometimes come and we're Pentecostals and we're like coming against the enemy. I mean, like I was brought up in a Pentecostal church. We had a woman who used to say to us that Satan was coming against her because she had the flu, right? And we would be like, I'm not sure the devil is giving you the flu. Do you know what I mean? He's got other stuff going on. I'm not sure. The enemy is like designed just for you and your little house there. The enemy's like, I come against you, yeah? And you're coming back at him with Jesus and a bit of lemsip. That is not, that is not what the forces of darkness are on with. You see, we can sometimes get a bit caught. But the truth is that we need to get over ourselves. That little boy had to get over his own limiting thoughts. Here are some of them. He's there with this little packed lunch. The first thing it could be in his head is, it's only small. It's only little. It's only a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. It's like, wow. He's got to get over that limiting thought. He's got to get over the thought that he's thinking, it's tiny. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of people here. And I've got a tiny little packed lunch. He's got to get over that. He could easily have kept it in his rucksack because he's thinking it's too small. It's too small. The second limiting thought could be that he's looking at it and he's thinking, how can such a little thing make any kind of difference? It's not going to make any difference. There are multitudes of people here, how is this going to make any difference? The third thing he could have thought is he could have thought going on in his head, he could have been, it's only a bit of fish and bread from my mum's kitchen. It's just something that my mum put together. I mean, it's not a big deal. It's not that special. See, that little boy had to overcome all of those limiting thoughts before he even saw the miracle. And you see, God wants to do outrageous, audacious, powerful things in this place. But before he can do any of those things, we as a group are going to have to get over ourselves. We're going to have to get over our limit in thinking. We're going to have to get over our limited thinking. You see, there are people in this room and they're like thinking to themselves, it's only small. What I've got to give, what I've got to contribute, it's little. It's not much. And it could be so easy to think I'm just going to keep it to myself because it's not very much. But God's like, whoa, no. You've got to get over yourself. You see, you give the little that you have to God. It's God's deal who what he does with the miracle. It's God's deal what he does with the little gift and the little talent that you have. We give that over to God and boom, God does a powerful and an incredible miracle. It's not for us to decide what happens with the miracle. That's God's bet. Yeah? But we've got to get over ourselves and think, well, it might only be little, but I give it over to you, God. Here's the second thing that you, there's maybe people in the room and they're thinking, well, what I've got can't really make much of a difference. You know, I'll tell you guys, Britain is broken. Our country is broken. And I'm devastated about that. We're just dealing with a family 
where a, a young lad and young girl in Nottingham, I, I live in Nottingham, they're 14 years old, and the girl, after two months going out with this lad, she splits up with the lad, and two days later, he comes with a balaclava on, and he knifes her in the face. And we're dealing with all that brokenness. And you're looking at Stoke, and you're looking at the neighborhood around here, and we could be like, it's so vast, the problems, the difficulties are so big. What could we in this room, what could we in this room, what difference can we really make? Just like that little boy could be like, what difference is my little fish and my little bread going to make? But here's the deal. God's supernatural ways are different from anything we understand. And God can take a group of people like this and can use them powerfully. And this community can be transformed and revolutionized and incredibly obliterated by the love and the grace of God with a little group of people that said, you know what, God, we give you what we have. We give you what we have. And God, will you do the miracle? Will you do the miracle? The little boy overcame his thoughts and feelings that what he had wasn't really going to be good enough to make a difference. And then I'm speaking to someone's soul right now because I felt this strongly when I was praying. You see, that little boy, that third limiting thought could have been, it's just a little bit of bread and fish from my mom's kitchen. And I feel that I'm speaking to a soul today somewhere. And you're like, Mark, I'm not very educated. Mark, you don't understand my upbringing. It was a bit rough and tumble. I, I didn't have the privileges that other people had. Mark, you don't understand. You know, I, I've not been given this rich education that maybe some other people have had. And we can begin to look and say, oh, I'm not very much. I was brought up in a council estate or I was brought up in this setting or I was brought up in that setting. I've not really got very much to offer. It's only a little bit of fish and bread from my mum's kitchen. But you see, when we hand all of that over to God, when we hand all that over to God, God does a powerful and an incredible miracle. God takes what we might look on as ordinary. God takes what we might look on as average. God might take what we look on as small. And he comes and he powerfully impacts it. And he does an incredible miracle. Wow. For you, wonderful person today, whatever your background is, whatever education you've had, whatever situation you've grown up around, you are God's man. You are God's woman. And when you hand yourself over to God, God can do a powerful miracle. Let's not despise our upbringing. Let's not despise our background. But let's say, God, you've created all that for this moment. This is now the time. And God, you've come and you can do incredible things. You see, guys, I think I've told you this before, but, you know, I was a young Scottish guy. I lived in Edinburgh, lived just outside Edinburgh in a place called Musselburgh. And every summer, we'd, I'd go up to the Edinburgh Fringe. And when I was 15, 16, 17, I would sit in comedy shows and I would see comedians 
uh, making people laugh, but they would be ripping apart the name of Jesus. They would be shredding Christianity. They would be calling Jesus a homosexual. They would be calling Christianity a crutch. They would have all this vulgar language. And as a young boy sitting there, I sat there and looked and said, God, one day I'm going to stand on that stage and I'm going to lift up the name of Jesus. I'm going to lift up the name of Jesus. I went to Bible college. I mean, I went to the same Bible college as Gary there. And uh, you didn't know that Gary went to Bible college, did you? You couldn't, couldn't tell. And... Uh, <laughs> Sorry about that. And uh, went to Bible college, became a minister, became a pastor, then went on to become an evangelist. And then God's speaking to me. God's talking to me about being, um, do, doing a show. I went, my, my wife took me to uh, see a guy called Dave Gorman. This funny, funny guy, very funny guy. He's got a message. He's maybe not a Christian, but he's got a message. He's trying to communicate. And God spoke to me. And God says, Mark, I want you to have a go at that. I want you to have a go. I'm like, God, I've been to Bible college. I'm a pastor. I'm a minister. I preach from the word of God. I'm not a comedian. God, I want you to have a go. And so we booked a theater on the outskirts of Nottingham. And then 70 people came. And many of them were unchurched. And I did my first show ever. And you need to understand, guys, there were some moments that were hilarious. People were laughing. They were loving it. There were also some moments. There were some moments where there was like a synchronized buttock clench. Yeah? The whole room's like, oh, I mean, oh. You know, I don't know if you've ever had that moment when you're holding a microphone and the tumbleweed. I'm back again. But I went for a response and five people made a first time response for God. And listen to this. I'd asked this minister to come and to, because it was the first time I was ever doing it. He sat near the back and he was critiquing it. He came to the front at the end and he said to me, Mark, what are you doing? Are you trying to be on TV? Because that was embarrassing today. He says, I can't believe you do that. He says, you need to go back to preaching in churches. He says, that was so cringeworthy. You, do you know how embarrassing that was? And he says, do not do this ever again. Just preach in churches. And then off he went. Have you ever had one of those moments where you're like, thanks for the feedback. <laughs> you ever had that? Thanks for that. Thanks for taking the time to input into me. And we're driving home in the car and my wife's excited and she's talking and she's laughing and she goes, wow. She says, this has been amazing. Mark, when you were on that stage, it was so engaging and, and, and people responding to God. And I said to her in the car, I says, I'm not doing it again. She goes, what, what, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And I told her about that man. <sighs> I don't know if you've ever seen your wife or your partner or your brother or someone you live with so angry that the vein in their neck comes out of their body and starts moving around the car. I don't know if you've ever seen that. She went, listen to me. Listen to me. I looked up to God. God said, I would listen to her. Yeah, I would. God says, I'm listening to her, so you should listen to her. 
She says, listen to me. She goes, Mark, it is true that some stories you told today should never be told again out loud. She goes, that is true. But we can sort them. She goes, Mark, you were on that stage. You were engaging. People were laughing. People came tonight. They would never come to a normal Christian event. She goes, and five people made a response to God. You are doing it again. I was like, I am doing it again. I am definitely doing it again. We changed some stories. We made things a bit better. And then we started touring it around the country. And we got into bigger and bigger arenas. And we started to do it in theaters. And then I did it in a theater in Lincoln. There was 800 people there. And uh, 150 people made a first-time response for God. But wow, isn't that amazing? But listen to this, listen to this. The guy that was there on that first night, he was there at the back. I never knew. He came to the front. And he seems like, that's a guy, that's a guy. He comes up to me. He's like, Mark, you must keep on doing this. He goes, this is amazing. He's amazing. It was wonderful today. All the time he's talking, I'm just like, oh, as soon as he stops talking, I'm going to let him have it. I am going to let him have it. And God's like, no, no, no. Fingers on lips. No, 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 no. Be the bigger man. Be the greater man. And he finished and off he went. And now I talk about him all over the world. Yeah, <laughs> all over the world. Tell the story. But you see, the deal is this, guys. The deal is that I got all of these limiting thoughts in my mind about, oh, I'm just a preacher, I'm a pastor, I've been to Bible college. And God's like, listen, if you give me the little gift that you've got, the little bit of talent, if you stop limiting and actually just get the packed lunch out the rucksack and hand it over to God, if you get that, make that miracle happen before the miracle, guess what? The miracle part, God can sort that. He can deal with that. But we must get over ourselves. Mark, you've got to get over the fact that you've been to Bible college and that you're a preacher. Mark, you've got to get over the fact that you felt like your life was going to go one way. And now, last week, I was at the Leicester Comedy Festival, and it's fun, and people are laughing. And wow, we're talking about Jesus and how Jesus can change your life in a comedy festival. And non-Christians are coming up, crying. Why are they crying? They says, thank you for not swearing. Thank you for not being vulgar. It hit me deeply. And I'm like, wow. God, we're taking your presence and your grace to places where it's never been before. And it's like, come on, wonderful. You see, we've got to get over ourselves. God wants to do some wondrous things here. He'll deal with a miracle. But we've got to get our hearts to the place where we're saying, it doesn't matter about our background. It doesn't matter about our history. It doesn't matter about where I was brought up and how educated I am. God, I give you the little packed lunch and I'm going to marvel at what you can do with a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. I'm marveling at what God's doing with this little bit of talent inside me. Wow, God, you're doing it. This show I'm doing tonight, we started it in Melbourne, Australia. We're touring it around the world. God's doing this incredible, powerful thing. A little bit of bread, a little bit of fish handed over to God. Wow, the miracle before the miracle. But here's the second thing I really want to impact you with. Is that, you know that moment Jesus prays for the fish and the bread and people are eating it. And then I just love the thought of that little lad. You know, looking at all those baskets full, 
at the end. And I just suddenly begin to realize that he starts to think, if I'd given in to my limiting thoughts, it would have stopped others from being blessed. Now, this is a real principle, and it hits us between the eyes. Because, you see, sometimes we're so British, aren't we, that we're like, oh, I've not got much. I can't do very much. I'm not a very amazing person. I'm really not that great. And Britain, it sort of feels like it's humble. And guess what, guys? This Scottish guy's come to tell you, it's not humble, it's selfish. It's not humble, it's selfish. You see, we come and say, oh, I've not got very much, I'm not very good, I'm not, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna give it because I've not really got much to give. You're stopping others from being blessed. It's not about like, oh, you know, you're trying to make too much of yourself or, oh, like he's his head's too big. It's all about saying, do you know what, God? I want the multitudes to be blessed. I want the multitudes to be impacted. So guess what? I'm going to give what I can give and see this miracle happen. You know, when church is saying we need people to do this job and that job, don't allow your limiting thoughts to immediately stop you from doing, oh, I can't do that. I'm not good enough. I've not got the right gifting for that. But give it over to God and watch God do a wonderful, powerful blessing. Your limiting thoughts could actually stop others from being blessed. When that little boy saw the families eating the fish and the bread, he must have thought to himself, wow, if I'd have kept it in my rucksack, these families would never have eaten. Here's a thought. If you're not willing to hand it over to God and give God what you have, is there people right now in housing estates waking up this morning, lives that are broken and devastated, and they're not going to be blessed because you were selfish with what you had? Oh, God. God, you're speaking to me deeply. I'm listening. But we would be like those that would say, God, what we have, we give over to you. And as we give over to you, would you bless the multitudes? I love when pastors said to me that you're talking about a rise and grow, grow, moving forward, build, build. And I started to get this excitement in my spirit about building and growing and, and seeing the multitudes and the masses impacted by what God is doing here. And it's like, God, we give you what we have. And my third, third point is this. I love that God is the God of overflow. Do you know like, have you ever been at one of those weddings where they just didn't quite have enough food? Have you ever been to one of them? Have you ever been at one of those weddings where like, oh, it's okay if you don't have much because we're beginning to run out of food. It's like, oh, it's a nightmare. Or one of those parties where it's like, oh, if everybody that like loves Jesus could just hold back because we don't actually have enough food for everyone in the party. It's like, wow. And it's like, I love that God 
doesn't do this miracle and there's just about enough. You know what I'm saying? The last couple of people are like, oh, you have it. No, you have it. No, no, no. The Bible says that everyone had enough to eat and then there were baskets flowing over, overflow, overflow. I mean, this is a miracle. There were teenagers at that event and they had enough to eat. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, I've got teenagers in my house. I mean, flipping egg. You're like, whoa. Keep bringing the family bucket of KFC and yeah. Look, KFC have run out of chicken, haven't they? That is unfortunate. And uh, it's like, wow. Everybody, everybody had enough to eat. And then there were 12 baskets of overflow. Here is a strong sentence. I'm taking in my spirit and in my heart and it's simply this you can grip on tight to your blessings and live a life of scarcity or you can give your blessings away and live a life of overflow wow you can live a life of scarcity and just hold on tightly to the blessings that you've got. Or you can live the life of overflow and give away your blessings. Give away your blessings. Friend, I'm going to be honest with you today. I want to live a life of overflow. I don't want to live a life of scarcity. I don't want to live a life of orders just enough. Yeah? I don't know. I was brought up and I mean, Scots are quite tight anyway, aren't we? Scottish people are tight. And uh, I don't know if anyone else had this, but did you have that thing when you'd go to a restaurant and your mum would point out the things you were allowed on the menu? Did you ever have that? You're allowed off that column, but not that column, yeah? And it's like, wow, you know, your limitation, limitation. You're not allowed anything on that page, yeah? You're allowed one fizzy drink, and that is it, yeah? If you have two fizzy drinks, yeah, then God will be angry at you. And it's like, and you know, there's many of us, we live a life of scarcity. And we hold on tight to the blessings that we've got. When God says, if you would give away your blessings, you can live a life of overflow. I'm like, wow, I want to live a life of overflow. We were in a restaurant recently, my wife and me, and we decided that we would pay for a couple's meal. We don't know them. They're not Christians. We were not trying to do it as an evangelistic event. We didn't like, as they looked over, I didn't mind the Calvary picture, yeah? I didn't do any of that. I didn't wave a track around. I didn't reveal a t-shirt that said, God paid for your meal. Yeah, I didn't do any of those things. What I did was simple, was that my wife and me decided, let's just bless this couple. It was brilliant, the looking over. The waiter says, oh, you don't have to pay that couple. They're paid for your meal. They're like looking at each other. Do you know him? No, I don't know him. Do you know him? No, I don't know him. Who is he? Who is he? They're really confused. I love it. I want to live a life of overflow. I want to live a life where, you know, my first thought is I want to give and I want to bless and I want to keep on blessing. And I want people that meet Mark Richie to be blessed, not to feel like, oh, man, 
that was hard work. I want them to think, oh, live a life of overflow. We want to keep on giving and giving and giving away. And now, friends, I want to speak deeply, deeply to your soul. And I believe that this is for you as a church going forward, about building, about growing, about moving forward. You see, I get really uptight and upset that the church has made the gospel like an inside joke. I don't know if you've ever been in a room where there's an inside joke going on, a private joke, and you don't know what the joke is. And you kind of look over and you're like, oh, what are you guys laughing at? And you're like, oh, never mind, never mind. It's just like a bit of an inside joke. And you feel a bit on the outside. You left out. You're on the outskirts. You don't get it. You don't know what's happening. You feel alienated. You feel like, oh, there's something going on there, but I don't understand what it is. And you know, for generations, the church has made the gospel like this inside joke that we all get it. We all get it. We're all loving it. We're all loving it. Get around the break in the bread table. We've got Calvary. We've got salvation. We've got grace. And the world are looking on from the outside and the world are going, well, well guys, what's going on? Well, what, what is it? What have you got? And we're like, oh, no, never you mind. We're the redeemed. We're the saved. We're, we've got it. We got the joke. You, you've not got it. Guys, I'll be honest with you. If that's church, I'm out. If that's church, I don't want anything to do with that. That is not what God sent Jesus to die on the cross for. That we all have this blessing and we hold on to it tightly and the rest of the world can go to hell. That's not it. What God has given us through salvation is this wondrous blessing that God is asking us to give away and give away and give away and give away and give away. That we would be a church that would say, God, you have blessed us. You have blessed us so that we can give away. I was in a church recently. Listen to this, guys. I wept as I heard it. I was sitting on the front row. And as the pastor communicated it to his people, I fell on my knees and started sobbing. Guess what he said? There's a lady in his church who's been a Christian for 35 years. Every single day she's prayed for her husband to become a Christian. Every day of their marriage, she's prayed for her husband to become a Christian. He's never been interested. And last Sunday, he got up and he said, I'm going to church. Wow. She was so delighted. She went in the car early because she was on team. Wonderful. She went in and she was excited all morning. In the first service, he wasn't due to come in until the second service. She was excited. And then in the second service, she never saw him. And, 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 and she was upset because he said he was coming. And she went home to have dinner with him. And she says, what happened? Why didn't you come? And he says, I, I, I did come. I came and I sat on a seat. And someone came over and says, you need to move. That's my seat. I've sat there. All my days at this church. And he says, and I got up, but I couldn't see anywhere else to sit. So I got in my car and I went home. And when the pastor communicated that, I fell on my knees and I sobbed. 
not against that church necessarily, not against that leader necessarily, but against the whole church that we have taken this beautiful thing called Calvary. We have taken this beautiful thing called salvation and we've made it into some kind of inside joke. And actually the truth is that God's saying, oh, that we would all be in that place where we would give away and give away and give away. I get the feeling that this is the kind of church that if someone wanted to sit in your seat, you would happily invite them to do that because you would be praying that they would get saved during that service and that they would enjoy the blessing of God. That we would always be the kind of people that we see somebody who's in for the first time and we're over talking to them because we want to give away the blessings that God's given to us. That we would be the warmest and most welcoming people in the country because we want people to feel accepted here. We want people to find that this is a place that's very accessible for Jesus. Guys, in one minute I'm going to ask the band to come. But you know tonight we've got this comedy show. It's going to be fun. You'll laugh. You'll enjoy it. But I urge you to maybe text this afternoon, maybe phone someone, maybe email someone, get somebody and just say, listen, there's this comedian, he's touring the show around the world, it's funny, you'll love it, come along, last for an hour, it's going to be great, but also there's going to be this Christian message that you'll, you'll hear, that we're just always wanting to give it away, give it away, give it away. That you would come and fill the room with your laughter and fill the room with your atmosphere. Maybe you don't normally come on an evening. But why don't you come tonight and just fill the room with laughter and your company. And just make this place a, a lovely and wonderful place for people to respond to God. And as the band are just coming, I saw something. My son, he came into a room and he caught me on my knees sobbing. He says, Dad, why are you crying? What happened is I, I saw some pictures from the Grenfell Tower. Do you know the tower that went up in flames? And why I started sobbing was this. Because there was a little group that had been rescued from the tower. And they were in a huddle. And I don't know if you can picture this, but they'd got those tin foil blankets on, you know, the survival blankets. And they were in this little huddle and they were traumatized. And you could see the flats on fire behind them. And they're in this little group and they've obviously been saved. And they're there in this huddle. And then there is this amazing moment where this young guy who's in the huddle with a survival blanket on him, he stands up and he throws the blanket down and he starts running towards the tower. He starts running. Everyone else is going in the other direction, but he runs towards the carnage. He runs towards the damage. He runs towards the chaos. And a few minutes later, he's there with a fireman helping an old lady out of the flats. He acknowledged that he was rescued to see others rescued. And you know, 
I'm sobbing in my front room because I'm like, God, never let that be a picture of the church. Oh, church, that we're in a little huddle and we've all got our survival blankets on. We're going to heaven. Oh, Jesus, come back soon and save us from this wicked world. Oh, Jesus, we're in our little huddle. We're not wanting anyone else to join us. We are saved. Amazing grace. We're huddling around the communion table. Oh, thank you that we've been rescued. But I'm speaking to men and women in this place. That we would stand up. That we would throw down the survival blanket. I'm speaking to us that we would run towards the carnage. That we would run to the broken. That we would run to the lost and the devastated. That we would run to those that the world and the enemy has just ripped to shreds and thrown to the floor. The broken child that's waking up this morning and mom and dad are alcoholics. The young girl that was out on the streets last night, 15 years old, a prostitute. And there she is, her life devastated. The enemies come and cause carnage. That we as a church would not be found in our little Sunday morning huddle. But that we would run towards the broken. That even tonight, there would be damaged and broken and hurting people in this room that would hear the message of Jesus and know what it is to be saved. Father, your presence is here. God, you're in this place. Holy God. As our heads are bowed, our hearts are open to God in this place. place and you you've had limiting thoughts about your past about where you've been brought up about your education and you thought I don't feel like I've got much to offer and I don't have a lot of time but as we're in the presence of God I'm simply going to count to three and if that's you I just want you to quietly stand and I just want to pray over you today that you would overcome, overcome yourself and give to God and he will do an incredible miracle with you. I'm going to count to three. If that's you, I'm just going to quietly ask you to stand where you are. One, two, three. Then why don't you stand? single one of these wonderful people and how maybe their limitations in the mind has stopped them 
from giving completely because they've just not felt they've got enough to give or they just felt like their background stopped them and tripped them up. But God, we pray release over them right now in the name of Jesus that they would know the blessing of God, that they would know what it is to hand over to you, God, and that, God, you would do an incredible miracle in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Church, could you stand? Could you join us and stand? In one minute, I'm going to hand back to the leaders. And what I'm simply going to do is this, uh, hand back to the guys that are leading the service. But I'm going to come down and I'm, if anyone wants to join me, I would love to put my hands on people's heads. I'm going to take a long time, but I'm going to put my hand on people's heads that said, you know what, God, I, I'm not going to get in the huddle. I, I want to stand up and I want to run towards the carnage. When I was praying about this next moment, I felt like I'll put my hand on some people and you're an evangelist. You don't even know that yet. You don't even know that you've got that gift. But as I put my hand on your head, something will be released in the name of Jesus and you're going to see many rescued in the name of the Lord. You see, church, we can stay in our huddle. We can stay with our survival blanket. Or we can do the tough thing and we can run to the carnage and the broken and the hurting and the aching. So what I'm going to do is simply this. I'm going to pray a short prayer. I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, church, wherever you are, and you would like me to put my hand on your head, I'm going to ask wherever you are to come and stand at the front. The band will take over. The guys will lead us into a song. That's all cool. And we'll finish the service. But I will manage to get my hand on every head that comes forward because I believe that this is a significant moment that we are not about. We're not about survival. We're not about just clinging on till Jesus gets back. But we're about seeing a generation rescued in the name of Jesus. Raise up your hands to heaven if you feel okay. Raise up your hands to heaven, God, for these next couple of moments. We thank you, God. We thank you, God, that what you're doing in this place, that, oh, God, this is about building. It's about growing. It's about moving forward. It's about seeing a generation rescued in the name of Jesus. We pray in the name of the Lord.